Hello, my name is Dinish Guarda and welcome to my YouTube podcast series powered by citiesabc.com, our wiki platform. Uh, I'm here to talk about ideas and the biggest solutions and the problems humanity is facing and as well to profile global thought leaders, influencers and inspiring people and experts, people shaping and creating new narratives and solutions for our world, society and business. Uh, these podcasts and videos are part of citiesabc.com, that is a platform that I created that has been looking at the challenge that we're facing right now, specifically with COVID-19, but as well with Society 5.0, 4AR, blockchain, a, and a lot of other different technologies that are changing the way we see society, but as well opening new possibilities and challenges. Um, today we have someone very special, uh, Indiana Gregg. She's uh, quite a unique, um, inspiring lady, and you're going to be talking about her career, about her experience and her profile. I want to start with a quote from, from Plato that I think is interesting for, for Indiana, that is, music gives a soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and life to everything. And I think it's, this is particularly interesting for Indiana. So I think just as a small introduction, Indiana is, uh, has been a music star, she built the Kirkongs, I always spell it wrong, but she'll do it right. Businesswoman, um, and as well been working UI UX and a lot of different things from being as well uh, a mother, but as well a, a very inspiring and um, 360 degree lady in a lot of different ways. Welcome to our podcast, Indiana. Pleasure to have you here. Pleasure to be here. Nice to, nice to see you, Dennis. Thank you for inviting me. Okay, so, so I would like to start uh, by the basis. Okay, uh, someone like you that came from Scotland and uh, is right now around the world and uh, as we speak, based in background education and how you come up to the music industry, but before that, how a bit of your education and as well the, the cultural background yeah, well, I was born in the United States um, and I was raised and went to university in the U.S. Uh, from a very early age, um, I had a speech impediment. So one of the things that my mother did was put me in a piano class. And when I got to be around age seven, uh, one of my teachers recognized that I had a problem with my speech. And uh, I had, I talked out of the side of my mouth and I, and so um, I was brought to an orthophonist who basically worked with me for five years. And one of the things the speech therapist did was um, ask me to write songs. And I had to write a lot of songs that had a lot of S's sounds in them and CH sounds in them. You know, this was a problem for me. And so music became kind of a way for me to express myself when I couldn't express myself in oral language as easily. So singing became kind of second nature and became kind of the way I expressed my emotions. And um, that's basically how I got started um, in terms of singing and performance and in writing songs and working with other musicians. And of course, when you're a teenager, that's, that's fun. You, you have bands and you, you know, you uh, improve on your, on your gifts or on your, on your skills. Um, my mother was also an art teacher. So she, and she taught dance. Um, so I had a pretty eclectic 
musical dance and artistic background um, just through growing up. And we grew up in the Midwest, so I, I was I, I was from a lower middle class family. I lived in the countryside. There wasn't a lot to do, so music was a release that way as well. Um, and I guess it's kind of part of the heritage of the community. So there's a lot of country singers, a lot of country music, a lot of banjo players, um, and a lot of different influences from jazz uh, all the way through to heavy metal and rock in that particular area of the world. Um, and then after I left university, I moved to the south of France and worked and lived there for a while and got involved playing with bands and that kind of kicked off my music career. My kids were born there. Um, and at one point my husband left the family. He had an affair with somebody he fell in love with. And I just decided, well, you know, you've got three young kids, why not become a rock star, you know? So I looked for a record deal and, you know, I kept on going until I got one. And that's really, you know, how I got involved in the music industry on a more professional, proper level, you know? Um, and I was put into, uh, uh, my record label sent me to Scotland to work with Ian and the rest of that is history. That's how, you know, I ended up releasing the album and doing tours and working, you know, and yeah, that's my background, <laughs> pretty much. Oh, that's that's fantastic! From a, from a, a, one of the, the your challenge became as well your your life uh, lifestyle and opportunity. That's quite inspiring as well. So I think uh, in when you start your music career was okay, okay when the music industry was going through a a big challenge from from becoming on, offline to online, and as well all the the revolution that killed part of the institution that exists. Uh, I went through that as well in a different way. I, I remember <laughs> that I launched my my first music label and, and seeing my music being completely for free when I had spent <laughs> a lot of money to produce the first album. So I understand how challenging it is. So can you tell us about that part? Because that was partly, well, the part of when you start really making your business and music career at the same time, but as well uh, going through all the challenges because it was in a time that things were going very fast. Now, of course, things are more clear, but during those, those years, the music industry went through huge um, disruption and they're still going, but now at least people know what they can count. Yeah, well, I mean, we we'd just gone through the birth of the MP3 in the early 2000s, and that was a big kind of crisis for the music industry because you know if you could put an mp3 on the internet that meant it was downloadable and it was very impossible to stop people from doing that but there were no alternatives and at the time um even itunes hadn't been launched in the uk or in in europe at all um itunes was a fledgling idea and apple hadn't done that yet myspace had just launched as one of the early social net networks after friendster and it was one of the first times that music was being streamed on the internet rather than just downloaded. But there was no kind of royalty or way for a musician to be paid via that mechanism. So a lot of artists were spending a lot of time, money and effort building up their fan bases on MySpace, but not getting any return from it because music was essentially free. And that made it really difficult. So um, at that point I was just working on my album. I had gotten kind of a development deal and uh, we started putting together with a friend of mine who was a technologist like yourself, 
um, a social the, the the ground the ground base for like a social network that would pay artists for their streams and for their downloads, and um, and um, and so we started kind of laying the foundation for that. And uh, one of one of my my friends said, "Look, why don't you talk to these people? They might be able to help you raise investment for this idea." And so we raised some we raised some money. Um, and part of that was through Scottish Enterprise and uh, with an angel fund. And um, we started working on really developing the concept in a bigger way. And it got to the point where we released the album and things were going pretty funny. It was, um, I think, I think by, by 2006 or 2007, um, we'd already launched, you know, this idea. We hadn't really given it a name. And one night, uh we were writing takedown notices about the album and we got in kind of a fight with uh peter sunday from the pirate bay and we were like look this isn't fair this isn't cool musicians are getting kind of ripped off um we really need to push this a little bit harder so we went and raised a little bit more money and we launched Crotunes, which was the first social network that paid artists for streams and downloads, a royalty based on the advertising revenue and a subscription model. And they could also sell their goods and services and, and whatnot, their gear and their, you know, so it was basically one of the first music marketplaces that um, attracted, you know, musicians and, and labels. And then we started flying all over the world, trying to talk the music industry into this idea. And of course the music industry was holding on to their old model. It made it really difficult um, to make a lot of progress because they wanted extortionate amounts of money for their, for their catalogs. Um, but, you know, they were kind of on, you know, Woolworths was just shutting down all the shops, HMV, Virgin, Megastores, all these shops were shutting down and, and physical CDs were becoming very obsolete. Um, but they didn't necessarily see the stream as a way forward. They saw it really primarily as a download. They believed that in the future, everyone would be downloading their music and everybody would want to keep a physical download of that music um, on their computer devices. And uh, so, you know, I was kind of walking into the heads of Universal and Sony saying, no, they won't though they won't, nobody is going to be able to store their entire music and they're not going to want to. And eventually this is going to be on, you know, your phone or on your computer and streaming was going to be the way forward. And so, you know, a couple, a year or so went past and broadband got a little bit better and people's mobile phone networks got more into the 3G area, you know, at that point. And uh, they started to recognize the model. So we started picking up more and more labels and um, we grew it to a really big, you know, there were millions of people on that. I can't remember how many we ended up with, but it was well over 10, 10, 12 million, maybe, maybe more than that. Um, and we were surpassed by a couple other big, you know, big firms that were big investment firms who invested in somebody who had similar ideas. Um, and so we, we ended up selling and we kind of already created that footprint of what the model was going to be for the future at that point. So I'm, I guess we kind of changed the world that way, which was kind of cool. <laughs> I mean. Oh, it's very impressive. It's still impressive nowadays because uh, 
at the time there was mostly MySpace, as you mentioned, and then the rest was like a desert and everyone trying to do things. So I would like to touch, so from, I know that probably was a, well, very positive experience because reaching 10, 12 million users, which was the numbers that are more or less public, is quite impressive to say less. So how did it go and, and why did you, so the, the platform ran from 2008 it was bought out in 2010. So can you tell us a bit about that experience as well? You being a musician, but then running a, a big social a big social network, and at the same time, um, you, you suddenly became probably a businesswoman. So there's a lot of challenges that I think is interesting too for potential music uh, personalities that are listening to our podcast and videos. Yeah, I mean, um, well, the platform ran a lot longer than what than those two years we we started. We, we started building it, I think, at around 2004. Um, and we went live a lot earlier than that. Um, but we didn't do it like a public, a real public launch probably till about 2006, where we were on television and, and radio and doing interviews all over and, you know, things like that. We were a lot more live, live, forward facing at that point. Um, so it was a longer process than what most people maybe realized um, in terms of raising investment and getting that leverage and getting that, those labels involved. And, you know, it was a lot of work. Um, but for me, it was like, okay, I can be an artist in my free time, but the rest of the time I'm going to work on this project. Cause I felt like at that point in my life, I felt like this is something that I could do that could help change the world or at least positively positively impact, you know, a big amount of people and hopefully solve a problem, you know, and that's kind of, what I had the way I looked 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 at it you know and it, because it was music my kids were involved they were young but they were really involved in it and really enjoyed it it was a social network so you know they could create their own profiles like they were doing on MySpace and they could do their own little HTML backgrounds and create their own you know space on there and go listen to music and and so it was like it, it, again I was working even though I was a musician when I wasn't out playing live I was working from home, you know, the studio was in the house, the musicians came to the house, we had, we had plenty of space in the house. And so I didn't feel like work, you know, I felt like I was just doing something fun. And that, I think, <laughs> I think that's kind of part of like what motivates creative people. If you're going to do something, do something you really are enjoying. Um, and that's always kind of been part of my, well, not kind of, it's always been my ethos, you know, as a human being to do things I, I enjoy, you know, so because I put more of my heart into them when I do enjoy them. So, yeah, I'm probably a lot of an all or nothing type person in that in that respect. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's very impressive because uh, because you had, uh, first of all, very strong uh, audience because 11 million people, it's massive. And I would like to know how do you build that? I think it's interesting for, for now. And then second, you had as well very strong back backup because you had indigenous venture capital that is the producers of Avatar and Life of Pi, and you have as well Scottish Enterprise. So that's quite impressive. And as well, so there was a huge component of not only building a music and digital community, but as well of funding, which is a very big task. So if you, I don't know if you want to highlight a bit of that, because I think it's, I always like to know the details. And as well, especially for achievements like that. And as well, the challenge that he, I'm sure you went through. <laughs> well, I think for us, you know, that it's always about solving a problem for people um, when, in terms of business. When there is a problem that people recognize and you have a simple, a simple solution, it makes raising funds a lot easier. 
and then the upside of what the business can produce and how and you know how an investor can exit or what the possibilities are um the way you go to market and marketing expertise we partnered with uh, you know we, we bought media time we were doing radio tv um we had a pr company that we hired and worked very closely with um a lot of things uh, with that were, were made easier because i'm a graphic artist so i could create a lot of the advertising and video and and whatnot um, which saved on costs and gave me something creative as an outlet to work on too within the company besides talking to people and, and negotiating so um again it was it was a it was a creative creative outlet a lot of our, our um a lot of our advertising campaign was really just retargeting people within the same physical areas where we had just done maybe a television morning show or an interview. Um, and we were, we were new and innovative. We were doing something no one else was doing yet. So that made us newsworthy in a way, if that makes sense. It made us special. And it's a lot easier when you come to the market with something that's unique or different and actually solves a problem. The main thing is solving the problem and having a simple solution. The second thing is being innovative and telling your story authentically. And the third thing is actually providing a product that's awesome. And if you get those three things right, there's a good chance that you'll, you know, at least have some success and people will want to get involved. And the problem was pretty big. I mean, musicians were getting ripped off and, and people wanted to help musicians at least get a fair shake at the time. So it just seemed like a natural thing. I mean, we thought we might be changing the world a little bit. We, we weren't sure how far we were gonna get with it, but the idea was to get the point across that this needed to be addressed. And I think when you see something that's in just in life, you wanna kind of fix it. Well, I do anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, that, that shows, uh, I have two, two parts of that. So in one end, so it was a massive task, like you said, to solve a big problem that was the music industry, which is still broken, but it's a bit better right now. And as well, I think it, it shows your social conscious uh, focus on creativity and as well entrepreneurship. So let's say if you look at that experience and, and as well at the same time, you're, you're running your career as a musician, which is not a simple task because you are still singing and playing and a lot of different things. So, and as well, mother of children. So it's not a simple, I, I, wanna, I think it's quite interesting because a lot of people tend to complain a lot and and I think everyone tries to, okay, yeah, my life is complicated, but sometimes they don't understand that people that succeed and do fantastic things like what you did are going through a lot of challenges as well. So I don't know if you want to touch that part and as well, um, that I'm sure that through that process, that's when you became as well more into the, the areas of uh, uh, creativity in the sense, not just music, but as well into, in terms of design, in terms of creativity and imagination. I don't know if you want to highlight some of these areas, because I think that's quite interesting um, for our audience and as well, I'm particularly interested to listen to that experience. <laughs> well, I mean, for me, um, you know, I had three children, but I have three children who weren't too difficult to deal with. I mean, my, my day life was, you know, my son would pack the kids breakfast and, and you know for to go to school like pack their snack and everything and send them to school they walked up the road about two blocks to the school and then they were at school for the day and came home for lunch maybe you know um so i had all my whole morning and my whole afternoon like a lot of mothers did 
Um, one thing I probably did a little less of was cleaning and uh, I probably didn't do my best cooking during those years because it was kind of like, okay, let's hurry up and make something that, you know, something nice, but let's do it quick. Um, but, but like I said, because of the, because I chose something that my children were also interested in and because it was a time in their life when, you know, social media was a new thing and they were young, it meant that I could be sitting next to them and they could actually be involved in what I was doing anyway. Um, aside from like helping them with their homework or, or whatnot. So that part of my life didn't feel very stressful at all. Um, and I'm, I'm a very, I, I wouldn't say introverted, but yeah, I am. I'm, I'm quite introverted. So for me to sit home and focus and miss out on everything else anyone else was doing, you know, like I don't watch TV. I very rarely go see a film unless it's recommended to me. Um, you know, I might go out to dinner once a week or whatever. So I was really focusing 100% of my time on that I didn't have, like that I had outside of my family life on the mission, you know? And I think it, I think that laser focus helps people get lift off. Um, and a lot of people aren't prepared to give that much of themselves, even if it's over a relatively short period of their life. Um, for me, that was important to do. And I don't do that for every project. I don't give up 100% of my time or my life or my free time for every project. But every once in a while, ideas come along where I go, ooh, this is one. This is the one. I want to work on this. And at that point in my life, it was music. And uh, music was very dear to me. So it was, it was important for many reasons. It was solving problems and helping people. It was, mo it was, it was giving the music industry a push in a way, too. Um, to show them, hey, if we can do this, you can do this too. Come on, guys, get on board with the future. And um, I don't know, just it, I, it probably was a struggle at a time. It's just at the time, I just probably don't remember it being that because I don't, I, 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 I tend to only keep the good memories when I can. <laughs> so. no, that is, I would say that is quite impressive. I actually have to take the hat because. Well, first of all, being a mother of three children is not easy, and as well being a single mother, which we were at the same time, which is really more. And I think, I think for us, I've been working with a lot of music stars and music industry. And <laughs> especially at the stage, and as well, one of the things that I'm particularly interested in looking at uh, your experience that in 2007, when your career uh, took over partly, you were as well doing a lot of home concerts, and that's quite interesting because now we have the Instagram concerts and the YouTube okay. uh, lives, so we are actually repeating something that was almost oh, 14 years ago. So, so I, I think, do you want to give a bit of uh, just insights for now because it's interesting to see that things repeat itself mostly because between different channels but as well you're doing things for us right now there's uh, um well a lot of artists doing uh, performance from home because of course they cannot travel because of quarantine um mm -hmm. and this that's this part of the home uh, performance and home concert that you're doing in 2007 when it was not still mainstream it's quite interesting yeah. just i don't know if you want to especially with all the the, the things because you're running as well the the model the model on, and uh, there's all the platforms so uh, I don't know if you want to just touch that area a bit yeah so we decided to launch home concert concerts and let people on like MySpace and YouTube um, apply to get a home concert and we drew them out of a hat and you know we go and um, I think one of them was a wedding somebody wanted us to come to their wedding and they won. Uh, so we flew all the way to some 
some town, I think it was called Romsey. Um, and we did quite a few of them, uh, a lot, a lot actually throughout the whole year. Um, but, you know, it was kind of the idea that as a musician, when you're on stage and you're playing to a bigger, larger audience, you don't have the same intimacy that you have when you play one-on-one -on -one or to smaller groups. And, you know, it gave, it gave those people the opportunity to have their friends and their family around and actually meet with people one-on-one -on -one in a more, in a more intimate way without being pretentious, I guess. Um, without like saying, oh, this is this exclusive, you know, thing that you special people get to come to. Um, and for me, that's important because music is very much a cultural thing that you exchange in a human to human sort of way and being close and upfront with say 20 people in their house. What, how more intimate can you be, you know, that the artist comes to you rather than, you know, and then I think that right now with the home concerts online with what musicians are doing, it's very similar, you know, concept that you have that kind of close empathy, you know, interaction with, with the, you know, with your audience. Unfortunately, right now, like with Facebook Live, you can't have all 200 people or a thousand people, you know, on the screen where you can see into their life. And it's, it's not necessarily a two-way call like on Zoom or, or like what we're having right now. You know, I can see you, you can see me. Um, but it's still kind of trying to create that intimate approach where at least your fans sees you from the inside, you know, from your home and what you're doing and you can express yourself and how you're feeling. Um, and I think maybe society needs a little bit more of that. No, now it's, it's more important than ever. And I, I like a lot your passion for social impact and as well, trying to take this, but as well on the lifestyle as well, because I think we have a, a big problem with lifestyle right now is that we have like big corporations and people trying to build the brands but i think in the past 15 years but people are still struggling and i think probably more than ever because i think the quantity of unemployment and things like that that are happening are really crazy so i want to touch one thing more about the experience that you had in the music industry so you were as well uh well you had a lot of first of all your own concerts had a lot of uh, impact in the media you you were in mainstream media worldwide but as well you you went and you, you fight or oh, you fought against uh, Pirate Bay. So I, I would like to hear that part because that's, uh, it's, it's quite impressive as well. Because Pirate Bay at the time was, was really the biggest <laughs> you can touch in a lot of areas. Well, I mean, they, um, you know, they made me angry and it wasn't because of what they were doing on the sense of peer-to-peer -peer or the technology. It made me angry their attitude towards the artists that, they had this, for me, they had this attitude that all artists were part of this big shill music industry that had been ripping them off for years and years and years. And that, that kind of really ticked me off. So from my point of view, I was like, hang on a minute, this isn't right. You know, musicians struggle, musicians got to pay for their guitar strings, for the gas in the van, for, for the, their instruments. Sometimes they're paying to play, they're renting the hall, they're, you know, they're going through years and years of, of honing their craft. And by the time you get to the point where you're good enough that people actually want to hear you, and you've developed your craft to that point, and you've gotten a group around you, and you've actually brought yourself to a certain spot in your career. 
for people just to actually laugh at that and say, oh, well, by the way, we should just get this for free and we don't really care about you. It's your music industry that has done this to you. Hang on a minute. The music industry is a bunch of people who work pretty darn hard, you know, who invest a lot of their time, effort and money into creating wonderful music that the world loves. And for that, by exchange, it's the same as you wanting to be paid for the job or the time you spent for your work. And I just thought, I'm sorry, Mr. Sunday, you're wrong. This is wrong. You've got to like change your attitude. Use that technology to actually create a safe space for the very thing you love, which is music or which is films or which is whatever that creative, you know, that's being shared for free on the internet, you know. Um, and, and so it was really important to find that resolve. And at the time, I didn't really think about how big the Pirate Bay is. I didn't care. I was going to let them know how I felt. And it was important that, you know, somebody was speaking up for the musician and not, you know, out of a position of greed or whatever. It was literally, look, guys, this is wrong. And somebody's got to fix this, you know. And I mean, you know, I think the Pirate Bay learned a little bit of a lesson themselves. I mean, they, they went through quite a few things after that. And we did a lot of, lot of uh, lobbying government and phoning and calling and writing emails and getting other musicians involved and getting the music industry involved. And it was all about, let's solve this problem, guys, because, you know, it's getting crazy. And I think it's, I think to an extent it's worked you know, the, that evolution is sort of taking place. It's not fully resolved. Of course, there is a lot of art and music being shared, shared and exchanged for free, but it's gotten a lot better. And that was the goal. <laughs> so, yeah. No, 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 that's, uh, we, are, we have to be grateful for that work because it's really impressive. And I think uh, your social network platform was definitely one of the first ones that, that open way for platforms like, uh, well, uh, Tidal first that was acquired as well and partly disappeared, but Spotify and as well yeah. what we have today in the music industry, which is a bit of a bridge between the different things. So there's a lot of things still to do, but, uh, but yeah, but, but uh, there was definitely a breakthrough in a lot of ways and, and uh, kudos yeah. for that. So I think um, th that uh, the second one, one of the areas that I want to talk right now is about uh, the, your, your career as a business uh, woman. Uh, so you've been... Uh, global Managing Director for Cosmetic Laboratory of Europe and a lot of other things. So if you want to touch a bit that part from the music, then you probably uh, left a bit music. Are you still there? So just give us a bit of the, the overview after that uh, bridge between uh, uh, building a global platform and that. <laughs> well, after after Kurt Schoen's, um I was like, well, what do I want to do next? And I started looking into um, product development and working on products uh, specifically. And so I was kind of interested in, in finding out a little bit more on what, what it would take to, to create a beauty brand. So um, we created a couple of cosmetic brands and we launched them. And um, around the fall of, uh, I think it was around 2008, you know, the whole financial crisis happened. And so here I thought, well, let, what is the opportunity to sell something that people want to buy, but it's too expensive to do? And so I thought, well, women like to get their nails done, but it's going to be really expensive to go get your nails done. Why don't I try creating a system, an at-home system, an at-home beauty system for your nails? So um, we launched uh, Groove 
Ultralac. And uh, at the time, this thing called Groupon was available. So uh, it, was, it was just coming to be popular because of probably the recession. And so um, I phoned up a guy at Groupon France and they said, yeah, we want 2,000 kits, which was like 60,000, I think, articles, pieces in each kit. And I didn't even have the kits yet. And so um, we, started, we sort of held a gun to the head of one of our investors and said, hey, give us $100,000 so we can start this because we just got an order from Groupon France. And basically, we, for, for a few years, uh, Cosmetic Lab and Groove was primarily sold on Groupon due to the recession. And, and we launched that whole business uh, through that. And that company lasted a really long time uh, for, you know, we stayed with it for, we only, we only stopped trading with Groove, you know, a, a couple of years ago. And it's still online. We still sell, but we we only stopped really doing mass orders and, and things like that a couple of years ago. Um, and in the meanwhile, I was working primarily as a, a contract, contract services person, you know, like if you needed a CMO, I'd come and help you out. If you needed a, an operations person, I'd come help you out. If you needed an interface design, I'd come help you out. So over those past 10 years, I've been doing a lot of, wearing a lot of different hats, I guess. <laughs> it's kind of hard to explain. Um, yeah, I don't know how I end up getting involved in some of the things I do, but I've spent a lot of time being involved in quite a few businesses over the last 10 years since Kerchins since happened and running my own bread, bread and butter business basically through the, through the cosmetics industry. So something I knew absolutely nothing about. I was just interested in it. And I thought, well, I can find out everything that there possibly is to know about that. And that's what I focused on for, for a while to get that started. So I'm a little bit of an entrepreneurial creative type of person, I think. And I like making people happy. And I like, I like solving a problem when it's the right time to solve it. If that makes sense. So. No, uh, very interesting. <laughs> so I want to touch that soon. So I think this is particularly inspiring right now, and and we have a huge challenge worldwide right now. And and I know that you very, it's very dear for you, social impact, and as well the things that can actually create more justice and more uh, empowerment. So I think how do you see right now? Because you mentioned that you start your business during the last recession, and now we are probably going through something even more alarming and more disrupting. Because in one end is health. No one can move, at least during the last recession, everyone could move and do whatever we want. Now we are all uh, more or less working from home. We have to have a digital part to survive, but very few people are digital. They, everyone spends time on Facebook and social networks, but ironically, very small people know how to do business online. So can you tell us a bit about that and what would be the message that you, you pass to people with COVID-19 and facing, there's 40 million people unemployed in the US and it's your country. But as well in Europe, things are really becoming very dramatic. For instance, in the UK, um, one in seven people are uh, furloughed. So we have a lot of challenge right now. So how do you see that? And as well, uh, you've been as well reinventing yourself. So that's a very important thing as well for everyone right now. I think uh, in terms of unemployment, if you're thinking about starting business, really take a little bit of time to, you know, for, for people listening, obviously not for yourself, because I know you have a ton of experience in this, Dennis, but in general, I always feel like it, you really need to assess your skill set when you start a business. If you don't have certain skills, find the right partners 
who will go into business with you who have those skills and form a team you know don't try to go do everything by yourself you'll be overwhelmed it will stress you out and you can end up you know losing money and your mental health at, 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 at you know as a result so one of the first things that's important is if you're not already an entrepreneur and you're leaving maybe a workforce situation as an employee and you're trying to start your own business really assess your skill set and really try to work out what your idea is going to do that helps other people how crowded is this market what what do you have to offer that solves a problem for your potential customer or your potential client and what is your net where is your network already so if it's a small business you know who are you going to sell this product or service to if it's a bigger idea you know work out who can help you get help your business and what stake will they hold in the business and, and play fair you know and online or offline the concept is pretty much the same you know it's the idea the problem you solve who you solve it for why why folks need this and how is it going to generate an income for yourself and for the other people within your business or for your investors or, or whatnot you know and that sounds really cliche but that's for me the basis of business and then trying to find the magic sauce what's your secret sauce what do you do better than anyone else what do you do this innovative above other people's stuff you know who are your competitors and how are you going to mitigate the circumstances so that you are the one that people go to first um, and and how do you market yourself or or your business or or your skill or whatever you're marketing you know how do you go about that you know and give yourself a little bit of time don't be in too big of a hurry before you get started start with something try try to make sure your product's good before you go to market <laughs> So. No, very, very. No, no, that's very important and actually very inspiring as well. And I think it's really important because I, I speak with a lot of people and of course, uh, I think both of us are entrepreneurs by nature, uh, but a lot of people are not. And I think this is a big challenge that education and our schools and universities are not preparing people for. And I think, I think you, you touch a very important thing, the importance of us uh, looking at our strengths, but as well understanding how to use this digital and how to create a business out of that. Because a lot mm. of people have fantastic talent and they are super If you are in Spain, and Spain is one of the biggest uh, youth unemployment in the world. So it's actually very scary at the same time. So, and I think uh, if you look at uh, probably the next 10, 20 years, this is going to be even more incredible, necessary and, and urgent, all of these things. So I, mm. I want to touch, so you as well, during this process, you became as well a, a creative and as well a person very focused in product design and the UI UX. So can you tell us a bit about that? Because it's an interesting point and it's another uh, vertical of your expertise as well. <laughs> well, I think, uh, you know, with the advent of the internet, a lot of, I think no matter what company, whether your company is brick and mortar or it's a purely technical or internet facing, you know, internet or, or mobile company, you still need certain things you need your brand you need your brand consistency you need a story that's easy to tell that communicates across the page in your call to action and and you need you need an interface that makes people want to engage with you 
you know? So for me, working on interface and, and user experience design and, you know, UI, UX for both mobile and for the web um, just became second nature. It's like, well, people need this, so I better learn how to do this really well. And so I got involved with a few companies that I was contracted uh, to do work with very in the early days when apps were first coming out and just started designing app interfaces. I'd already been working, you know, before, before you had Adobe XD and before you had Sketch and all these wonderful tools that you have now, you know, most people did things in Illustrator or Photoshop. And, um, you know, it was artboards that you exported and that would be, you know, put in as HTML into either a web interface or in the early days into, you know, the iOS stores. So um, that's how I got involved in that. I think it's just because I started out years and years ago designing records, you know, designing album covers. <laughs> And that the natural progression of that to web, when people started having websites in the early, I don't know, the late 1990s, uh, early 2000s, you know, there, that was a natural, it was like, this is something I can do. I can build websites, so therefore I can sell this to people and I can make extra money or help my friends or create my own websites because I'm a musician. And it's kind of a natural I don't know, you know what it, it, what it really is? I feel like musicians take a stab at things because there's always, you're always dealing with technology and music. You're always dealing with, uh, you, you, you always have, have to be everything in the band or someone in the band has to do everything kind of, you know, you had to create flyers, get them printed. You had to build your website. You had to um, learn the new MIDI interface or, or, or whatever it was, you know? And I think that's, I think programming and, 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 and yeah, design work is kind of a natural thing that a lot of musicians kind of have to learn by default. And when you start your company, it's a great asset to have uh, to be able to create those first designs and build that brand. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's really all I think. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's wonderful. So I think so, uh, and to wrap up, we are close to one hour. So um, in terms of, uh, of the, what are you present doing and what are your, your future goals? As I know that you have uh, some, some cards to come on the table and probably will be a second interview, but just to understand, I think for the people that have been accompanying your career, um, understand what are your main focus at the moment. Uh, I know that you've been working in a sports project and, and a lot of other things that are coming, but uh, just to understand what you're doing right now and what's your goal? Uh, well, right now I have a secret sauce that I don't want to tell you about at the moment, but um, we're well underway with a product that um, can help ch change per people's lives. Um, the core of that uh, the idea is based around human communication and especially the situation with COVID-19 and can actually help people become more pandemic proof, if you will, uh, so that, you know, your lifestyle um, doesn't have to change quite so much in case of the next lockdown, for example. So that's all I'm going to say about that. But yeah, that's where we're, we're on our way. Um, to doing <laughs> no no wonderful i'm looking forward and uh, and i'm sure it will be something fantastic so so as a last um a last uh, probably one or two last questions so 
from your experience and where you are right now, and I think you reinvent yourself, but like you said, it's been a continuation because as a musician, as an artist, as an entrepreneur, as a woman, as a mother, and as well as a, as well a inventor in a lot of different things that you've been doing, and especially the, what you did with, the, with your music platform is really impressive. So what would be the advice you have for young people? And I know that you have children, but uh, uh, what is kind of the most important things? So you touch some things like the brand and the, well, the capacity to adapt, but what would be the, these last um, inspiring words that you have for everyone listening to you? Well, I think when you start something, pursue it and don't give up, but make sure it's something you want to pursue in the first place. Give it some thought and consideration. Make sure that you learn constantly throughout your life, uh, whether it's a new program or it's a new ideas, a new, you know, a, a new market, whatever it is, continue that learning and development of yourself over time, because I think that allows you to become a chameleon if you have to be to move into um, new technologies and new spaces and grow with society as it grows into you know this new era that we have of the internet of things or uh, mobile phone technology the more you learn now and you progress with the times the, the easier it is for you to create and become that next big thing that you want to be and it is like a lot of growing pains and nothing like works instantly the first time you've tried it you know all my businesses haven't been successful some of them flopped some of them went great some of them haven't you know um all of the businesses i've worked with haven't been you know the biggest ever companies on the planet they had some success others were super successful um so just don't worry about it. Learn and continue learning because you're generally always at the right place at the right time with the right people at the right moment in your life for you to learn something and overcome it or get better at it or achieve it. So don't be too hard on yourself and yeah, keep keeping on. That's the main thing. <laughs> Well, that's very inspiring, and I love that because Chameleon, I, I love David Bauer. He, he comes back to, to that, but as well in the sense of adapt and the sense of, of uh, education, it's key and keep on learning. And I think you, you are a proof of that and it's quite inspiring because you come from being an artist and musician to build a social network and then building apps and websites and, and now as well keep on, on pushing a lot of new things. So last thing, where people can find you right now um, where they can engage with you. I know that you're still very digital friendly, but I'm sure that now you are less on the music side, but uh, and as well, are you doing still some music? So the, probably the last uh, notes for the interview. <laughs> yeah, I do some, I do, I do still do music and I'm still working with musicians and we still write songs. Um, for me, music is an emotional connection. So it'd be very, very hard for me to live without it in any case. Um, but you know, when I have something to say, I will say it. If I, you know, when I'm ready, I will go out there and, and, and make another album. I'm sure. Um, that's not something that's left me. Uh, but in terms of like where people can find me, well, on, I'm all over the internet. If you type Indiana Gray, you can find me somewhere. I'm sure Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, um, places like that. <laughs> but I just LinkedIn, LinkedIn, but you know, I'm not, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a low key person and I, I enjoy people and I enjoy, uh, you know, I enjoy my 
my privacy as well. So yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's a hard it's a it's a balance, you know, with what you do and how much you put yourself forward. Um, but yeah, anybody who wants to get in touch, feel free, or they can contact you and you can give them my details. How's that, Dennis? Yeah, I'll put your social networks. I think it's better. Nobody, <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, you're the star. Okay, no, I, I, thank you so much. It's been a, a huge pleasure, and as well, uh, I think a lot of uh, insights. We will put all these notes and some of your quotes in, in the interview. This will be distributed all over the internet. But thank you so much, Indiana. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you, Dennis. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.